The peace of Christ be with you. Thank you. I don't know about all of you, but I need the peace of Christ this morning. My car, my new car would not start, so I had to get another ride here. So thank God for worship and the peace of Christ just to kind of meet us in whatever things that the day throws at us. So we're in the wisdom literature, as Pastor Kurt said, and I don't know if you've noticed this whole string of books of the Bible. The red ones are the Old Testament. We were in the Old Testament and then we switched to the Gospels. They will be in blue when we're back in the New Testament and then we're back in the Old. So wisdom literature, we were in the book of Job before we hit Advent and then last week we were in the book of Proverbs. Today, Ecclesiastes, there's three books in the wisdom literature collection in the Old Testament. And you've probably heard me say this before, but I do love wisdom. I love that word. Um, I love what wisdom is. And interestingly enough, a few years ago, Kurt and I took an assessment tool that had four quadrants, one of which was wisdom. And it turns out that that was one of the high quadrants for me. So it is something that I really enjoy, enjoy listening and assessing and processing and figuring things out and problem solving. It has been interesting this last week to um, listen to all of you, uh, several of you. Uh, we have processed out loud what happened last Wednesday and I have heard you use words like appalling and in tears all day or glued to the TV, uh, felt like 911. And the conclusion that I heard from many people was, I felt like I have more questions than answers. That would be the mood of Ecclesiastes. All the books, the wisdom books, that are so different. Job, which is about suffering and just don't understand why some people suffer. Proverbs, which is much more simplistic and has this kind of grandma's wisdom, as uh, Kurt explained last week. And then Ecclesiastes, which you're going to hear about in just a moment. All of them really lead us to the same conclusion, which is wisdom isn't so much about getting explanations. It's more about turning to God, who holds all these things. You probably heard that phrase. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into Ecclesiastes. Let's pray. Loving God, wise God, spirit of the living God, spirit of wisdom, speak to us through this scripture, through my words, through our time in worship, that it will help us turn to you in all ways, in all things. Amen. We're going to be in two chapters, just a few verses, five verses in chapter one, and then just three verses in chapter nine. All right, listen to God's word to you. Ecclesiastes 1, verse 2. Vanity of vanity, says the teacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Then moving to verse 12. I, the teacher, when king over Israel and Jerusalem, 
applied my mind to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to human beings to be busy with. I saw all the deeds that are done under the sun, and see all is vanity and a chasing after wind. Then moving to chapter 9, verse 7. Go, eat your bread with enjoyment, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has long ago approved what you do. Let your garments always be white. Do not let oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that are given you under the sun because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. So did you hear that? Two very different perspectives on life in Ecclesiastes, uh, you hear this unhappy uh, business that God has given humans to be busy with. That's one view of life, and it's all kind of meaningless, and this circular life is difficult and then you die kind of approach. Then you get into chapter 9, but you're hearing, and throughout the book as well, enjoy life. That's what God has for you. God wants you to enjoy. That's your portion in life. One commentary noted that we probably would be tempted to resolve this contradiction, and yet it is this contradiction that is the very message of Ecclesiastes. Hmm. Rob Johnson, he is professor of theology and culture at Fuller Theological Seminary, and he spent a lot of time in Ecclesiastes. He loves this book. And he has a the interface with theology and culture, spends a lot of time uh, watching movies and listening to what movies, movies say about our culture. He comments that there's a number of movies that say life sucks. And then there's a number of movies that say life is precious. And in his book that he's written on Ecclesiastes called Useless Beauty, he puts these movies, different movies and perspectives in conversation with Ecclesiastes. He loves the book of Ecclesiastes because it's honest about life. And it keeps good and bad together instead of isolating one out over against the other or avoiding one. And he feels like it's an important part of the wisdom literature to keep them together. He writes this. The writer of Ecclesiastes knew about the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs says, work hard and you'll succeed. But we also know that sometimes the good, honest, righteous person doesn't succeed, doesn't live a long life. And we know that the rude and crude too often win. The writer of Ecclesiastes, therefore, challenges those Israelites in his day and those Christians in our day who think somehow we can orchestrate success. It's true. Challenges the notion that we can somehow figure it all out and keeps these together. This vanity of vanities, that word, the Hebrew word, hebel, occurs over 40 times in this very short book, 12 chapters. Just this sense of, you know, life is like a mist or a vapor or meaningless or short and the great leveler is death. So there's, there's that. And then on the other hand, there is this enjoy life. It's precious. God values life. God values your life. God wants you to eat 
and drink and to be merry, to enjoy your work, to enjoy your family in what is a very short life. So both are true, and both are part of the message. And when we don't try to resolve them, these paradoxes, when we keep them together, this wisdom, paradoxical wisdom, leads us to the very last verses of Ecclesiastes, to the conclusion of wisdom, which is the end of the matter is to fear God. You know, in the Garden of Eden, there was this mysterious tree put there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Interesting. Why was that tree put there? The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. So there it was in the creation story, this, this tree of paradoxes, good and evil, held together not by us, as tempting as that was for us, but by God alone. Right there in the Garden of Delights, the tree of paradoxes in the Garden of Delights, that's your portion, God told the man and the woman, not to manage that tree, but to trust me. And when you get to the end of that chapter, Genesis chapter 2, when they did that, they weren't eating from that tree, they were trusting God, you have this beautiful picture of harmony and vulnerability and, and intimacy in this phrase. They were both naked and unashamed. Nothing covered up, everything wide open and safe. The beautiful picture. And then, next chapter, when they refused God's wisdom and decided to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, things started unraveling and basically were a mess until you get to the very last book of the Bible and we hear Jesus saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead and see, I am alive forever and ever and I have the keys. I have the keys. Jesus alone can open the scrolls and, and manage good and evil, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So death is defeated in Jesus Christ and everyone is turning toward the source of wisdom, the only source of true wisdom. Wisdom is less about getting explanations and it's more about turning to God who holds it all together the knowledge of good and evil, simultaneity. I think a lot of people think that when I get to heaven, I'm finally going to get all the answers. Have you thought that or said that? Finally, when I get there, I'll be able to ask all my questions. I'll, I'll get to know all of what happened and all the things that I could never figure out. I don't think so. I don't think we're supposed to have all the answers and figure it all out. You know, there's a point in the movie, Selma, several of us watched that last month and discussed it, this movie that focuses on the work of Martin Luther King Jr. and the civil rights um, movement in the 60s. And at one point early in the movie, um, here Martin Luther King Jr. is just overwhelmed with um, the relentless 
battle just to get basic human rights for the Negro in America and is just hitting resistance at every turn. And at one scene in his home, they had just had a death threat in their home and you can tell he's just drained, just drained, just wondering, is what we're doing worth it? Is anything good coming out of this? And after his wife leaves the room, he gets on the phone and he calls Mahalia Jackson and he tells her, I just need faith encouragement. And as he leans against the wall and holds the phone to his ear, she just starts singing, Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on, let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak, I'm worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on through the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, and lead me home. In the midst of the good and evil, that we don't get to figure out, that we don't get to manage necessarily under the sun. There's something about the overwhelming inconsistencies of the simultaneity of that that lead us to the true source of wisdom. And Ecclesiastes gets at that. The pastor uh, for many, many years at First Presbyterian Church in Visalia, Rich Hansen, in 2016, he wrote a book called Paradox Lost. And he wrote that book because when he was doing his doctoral work, he focused on preaching biblical paradox because he felt like it reveals the mysterious paradoxical God who is the true God revealed to us in scripture when oftentimes in the church we want something much more simplistic. He writes, for a sizable segment of American Christians, faith is about practical answers to meet my felt needs i.e. God exists to solve my problems and to make life better. While God certainly does meet our needs, our most basic need, according to scripture, is simply, quote, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent, John 17, 3. By wrestling with the paradoxes I write about, I hope my readers will come to know more deeply a God who is more awesomely mysterious than a consumer-oriented, problem-solving God. He gives the example of the Trinity, which we can't figure out. God is three, God is one. The example of the Incarnation, we can't figure that out. Jesus is 100% human and 100% God. And these paradoxes, if you use them as a lens, reveal more deeply who God is. And the paradoxes uh, about God not only a great lens for us, but I think the paradoxes in life, that simultaneously we experience goodness and evil, and through that, we are faced also with this opportunity, once again, to turn to the only one who holds it all together. I have found that when people are facing these overwhelming contradictions in life, when suffering comes from it and it goes on and on, people find solace in the phrase, there must be a reason. Have you heard that or maybe said that? People find solace in that. There must be a reason for this. Implying that I'm going to know the answer someday and finding solace in that. 
But I think biblical wisdom leads us less to find, finding solace in explanations, in the reasons, in answers, and more to finding solace in God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I felt like I was interacting with a living illustration of that when I was talking to Rhoda Luttrell on the phone this last week. She, in her living arrangement there at Brookdale, um, all the residents are there, this is a, a senior community, a large senior community, are limited to being in their rooms. That's it. They can't go to the dining room, they can't be interacting with other people, and they have been in their rooms for months, not seeing people. She would have reason to say life sucks, because that does, and it's been really, really hard. But she also, in talking to her, has this picture of um, a wedding picture with her husband who died um, about a year ago, Jim, there in her room, and she said, I look at that and I just think of all the good things we enjoyed together, that life is beautiful. She focuses on that. But the other thing about Rhoda, if you talk to her for any length of time, she spends all of her days and her waking hours at night, because she's awake a lot at night, praying. Praying for you, for me, for everybody, for anybody she can think of. And so even though she could say, there's got to be a reason for this, and really dwell on that, instead of that, she said, you know, there isn't always an explanation for things. But God has all the answers and turns. She's been immersed in biblical wisdom, immersed in the biblical story. And the fruit of that is the way she's working through these really difficult days. The devotional that I had through Advent and to Epiphany last week concluded with a writing by a Presbyterian pastor. And these are some of the words that she wrote that could have come right out of Ecclesiastes. It takes strength to choose joy. It takes strength to push the covers off our weary bodies morning after morning, to plant weary feet on solid ground, and to look for signs of beauty. Yes, it does. When you face the same disappointments cycling back around, you face the same fleeting pleasures, you face the same short-lived successes, the same good and evil. It does take strength. But that's what turns us toward the end of the matter, as Ecclesiastes concludes. To the one who holds it all and gives us that strength. To the only one who has the keys of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil the only one who has defeated death. So biblical wisdom leads us there, not to figuring it all out. Reason has its place, but the solace and the path of wisdom is to fear God. Let's pray. Oh God, we turn to you now because we live now with the simultaneous realities of 
goodness and evil. Help us to have the wisdom to know what you want us to know, to change what you want us to change, but especially to turn to you, to turn to you as the one who holds it all together, to trust you above all things, to find our solace day by day, moment by moment, in you. We give you all the praise that you have come in Jesus Christ, you who are wisdom, that you have delivered us from captivity to death and to meaninglessness, and you have redeemed and given us a future and a hope. So keep our eyes on you as we move into this new year, as we move through the challenges and the difficulties and the joys and the pleasures. In Jesus' name, amen.